0: hey guys what is happening welcome to the show this is creating space and i'm your host west knight and on this show i bring to you a conversation with influential individuals in society to share their experiences to hopefully add to your arsenal and your artillery in your journey in life this week's episode episode 10 i bring to you ella masser A former u.s women's national team soccer member as well as fc Rosengard's leading goal scorer and assist skitter i can't wait to bring you this episode number 10 with ella masser hey guys what is happening i have got one of my lifelong best friends this is ella masser on the show i'm so excited to bring ella on the show because this little nugget of an individual (laughs) changed my life and she redirected me out of a really dark place in Vancouver and put me on a really awesome path. But that's because she's had an incredible path of her own. Ella, what is happening? What's going on?
1: How you doing? I'm good. You know, it's about 5 p.m. here in Sweden. So a little bit later than where you are, but I'm good. I can't complain.
0: So for the listeners, she is over in Sweden right now. She plays for FC Rosengard. She is living in Mama. Yep. What a terrible place to call home. <laughs> yeah northern lights mountains (laughs) that sounds just terrible to me
1: yeah i know it's rough we have a beach about Mm, seven minute bike ride
0: Uh, so So, knowing you you have actually timed that seven minutes you hit the go when you started pedaling and you made sure you make it seven minutes every time huh
1: Yeah, but I just think that you would make it
0: in three and a half. So I'm trying to get to five. That's the uh, sibling rivalry that we have. So Ella, let me build a little bit of a stage for you. Ella has a cap with the U.S. women's national team, playing alongside all of those greats. Ella, born and raised in Illinois, has played for several professional teams, most currently, obviously, in Sweden. But Ella, I wanted to bring you on the show because your story is incredible. And it started... In Illinois, tell me what it was like growing up in Illinois.
1: Um, you know, it was a small town, about two hours south of Chicago, and we were surrounded by cornfields. I mean, for the football perspective of it, I never knew you could get on a plane and go to Florida or California for these massive tournaments. That you know, you know, coaching now, you can go all over the U.S. easily to find these world-class tournaments. And then growing up, I mean, it was a small town, so you grew up going and playing in the forest and really diverse. I think my school was about 50, 60% black. And, you know, I, I'm very thankful now because now I got to travel the world and see some different cultures. Um, I think I was really lucky with how I grew up and the people around me and, you know, the real homebody feeling, I guess I had.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I grew up in a very small town and we shared that same aspect of the diversity and the culture that we kind of grew up around. And I think that's how we became such good friends so quickly is because we had that in common. We had that common thread right so you're in illinois brother and sister you're the middle right
1: um yeah well i'm a twin so the youngest i'm a minute older and i always thought i was supposed to come out first but really it was just a (laughs) c-section so So whoever the the doctor decided to
0: grab first huh
1: (laughs) exactly i'm the third of the four but um yeah I, i guess middle would be more correct
0: awesome and your dad was actually an athlete as well tell me a little bit about your old man
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to credit him because I am short and stumpy like he is. I mean, he was kind of a little ball of muscle. Um, He was a kicker and a running back. Back then you could kind of do it all. And he played at the University of Illinois. He got MVP. Uh, He held the record for longest punt for a long time. Um, And then he even tried out professionally, but didn't make it. But he was athletically, I think the reason that I can still play at 30 and kick the ball around, a big part of it.
0: Right. So even from when you were young, you had a soccer ball at your feet. I mean, you've been immersed in sports since you could walk, I imagine.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, having, like you you mentioned, an older brother and older sister who are both very, both very athletic. And, you know, since my dad did play American football, he knew the harm and kind of the damage it could go to your body. So he never let my brother play. So we always had a soccer ball, uh, right. basketball uh, around the house.
0: At what point did you realize, Ella, in small town, Illinois, that you were talented and that maybe you could take soccer and you could take your life on a journey with a soccer ball?
1: Um, I don't know if when it was with a soccer ball. I think that was my best avenue in college. But I remember in like sixth grade, I got to run with the eighth grade track team, 400. And I was the only white girl in the four by four, the 400 meters. And then I realized, okay, maybe I have an extra gear here that I can, <laughs> I can really use. But I actually love basketball more. But I realized as, you know, to be honest, a five-five white girl, my chances in the WNBA probably weren't high. So soccer was my avenue to go to school. I don't think I would have gone to college, even as a walk-on. Uh, without
0: football, so tell me a little bit about when you realized that goal and you started to work for it. What was the family support system like? Were your parents in support of that? Were they pushing you towards your goal? Or for some of my guests, there they talk about how they had to work a side job to be able to support family. Was your family pretty supportive in your dreams?
1: Um. You know it was tough because at that point in time you know now i i can look back and i don't have much emotion about it but back then you know my my father was an alcoholic and um, i think he never really got through not being able to play football past college and he's always kind of looking for that next or something to fulfill him in that area and he never found it and then my mom was actually bipolar or is bipolar uh, she went to the mental institution for the first time when i was 14. so i mean i think that was A bit rough. My brother and sister were already out of the house. They were in college. We all went to the University of Illinois, actually. And um, when I went, I mean, I knew it was going to be me. I knew I was going to have to support myself financially. And when I went to Illinois, you know, she said, the only thing I joke about now is it's great to be poor in college. Because back then, you know, you got the Pell Grant, you got all this financial aid. And my coach made me a promise that she said, listen, I can't give you money this year, but if you work really, really hard, she goes, I promise I'll make it up to you and I can make all your dreams come true. And I had other offers from smaller schools, but for me, I knew that I believed her and I believe that this was a place where I could really go after my dreams. So I was lucky, you know, I had a walk on my first year and then second, I got a little bit more and then my junior, senior year, I had a full ride. They always loved football. My dad, especially he came to all my games, but I think as what I needed as a 14, 15, 16 year old, I don't think he could be there. And now I realize, looking back, you know, my mom was an institution and they were together for... Almost 20 years at that point. And I don't think he could handle my mom, me trying to support four kids. It was a really, really hard time.
0: Sure. I can imagine that he felt a lot of weight in that and a lot of expectation, maybe. The expectation that you felt to probably pull all of the opportunities you had together to help. Um yeah, might have weighed absolutely. on you as well. Tell me a little bit about what you learned about yourself, maybe feeling isolated in those moments where your mom was going through something and your dad alike, they both were going through something separately.
1: I mean, I had a lot of anger. I mean, now I think I'm a pretty mellow kid, but back then I'd punch walls and, you know, when I was 14, I almost flunked out of school and, you know, I didn't really know what changed, but it was just a time of, I didn't understand why me, I didn't understand why we had to go through this. And, you know, I grew up and everything was so great. We had a nice house and in the eyes of America, we had a good family. And then all of a sudden it seemed to fall apart, you know, and, Your mom's trying to figure out bipolar. And you know, when you have that, it's like, you can't take things to take away the ups and you can't take things to take away the downs. And she's an artist, so she couldn't find the right balance. And I was really, really angry. And I think the only thing that kept me going was football. I mean, I could run from my problems there. When I was on a soccer pitch, no one saw me for the one with the alcoholic father, the crazy mom and the broken down house. They saw me, wow, this kid has a lot of athletic talent. She can maybe do something. And that was why it was my saving grace.
0: I share that same love for the game because you go onto the field in between the white lines and you shut off. exactly Everything outside of that is irrelevant, doesn't matter. And you get into the flow and you step into your greatness, your own bit of artistic greatness that that you can show. So I love how you use the the field as a safe haven. But I'm learning now as I go through my own evolution that that's not always the best thing because you push things away and you bury (laughs) feelings and you don't face them. So tell me a little bit now, looking back on that moment where your dad is an alcoholic, your your mother's going through bipolar disorder, she's in the institution. Tell me all that fear and all that anger that you were having, how it was manifesting itself in your life.
1: I mean, I think it rooted itself in me by thinking if life was good, if soccer was going well, and maybe my personal life was going well, something bad was going to happen. And I think it got stuck in there then, because now at 30 years old, you know, I just got married. I'm I'm playing probably the best I have in my career and I have all these great things. And like, I mean, you know me, the rest probably don't. But how many conversations have we had since I've been here where I really have started to suffer from anxiety and, you know, I had a panic attack. And for me, it doesn't make sense because, you know, I lost my father a couple of years ago. I've always had this drama. You know, I've been addicted to this drama in my life. And for the first time, I don't have drama. And now I'm actually feeling all the physical symptoms of what I had probably when I was from a child, four or five years old. And it's manifested and put it itself in me. And it's a really, really dark place. And, you know, the listeners might not know this, but with you and the conversations we've had, you know, I've started to break it down. But at moments, even being married and playing Champions League and, playing with some of the best players in the world, I felt like I was lost and hopeless.
0: Sure, and that's that's an easy place to get and I have shared that emotion and we shared that together through a short stint in Vancouver, but you just mentioned that your old man had passed, right? So where were Mm -hmm. you in your stage, in your career? Kind of lead me up to, you've just realized that your old man is is an alcoholic, right? And you've just Mm -hmm. realized that your mom's in the institution, you've got all this anger, now you're getting into college. That anger at that moment, it's probably fueling you towards your dreams, right? It probably was used in a good modality at that time.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw what alcohol did to people. You know, I mean, I didn't, yes, I went out and had some good times. Don't get me wrong. You know, I had sure. to really figure myself out. But um, a lot of times when people would go out or do this or that, I knew it was just me. You know, and I would do the extra work and when you grow up with not a lot, I think you have something you're either gonna give up or you're gonna realize you have a tip on your shoulder and no matter what, you're gonna push. And, mm. and so I would always go and try to be better and better because you always want that gratification. You don't get that a lot when you're going through that when you're younger. And um, I mean, I think without my life, you know, you talk about it now, but without my life, even I have these dark feelings now sometimes, you know, I know I wouldn't be here without my past.
0: Sure. Talk about that gratification. We all need to feel noticed, feel appreciated. And we want to have the opportunity to be able to feel like what we're doing is worthy, right? And sometimes we're not able to to give that to ourselves, give that grace to ourselves. Who was the biggest influence in that time in your life that was a shoulder for you to lean on to keep you grounded, to keep you directed and and keep you chasing your dreams?
1: Um, I mean, I think it it varied. You know, when I, at that point, when I was 16, you know, I I met a young guy that was my ex-boyfriend of almost 10 years. And he came from a Christian family. And, you know, when I met him for the first time in my life, I felt like, okay, God is giving me these burdens to allow me to be great. And he never gives you things that you can't handle. So for 10 years, I really went after my faith. And his family was a huge part of that. On the football pitch, it was my dad. I mean, even though we didn't have the conversations about how everything else was going, he would drive 16 hours to see me play pro in the States. He came to see me in Norway. You know, he was such When I couldn't believe in myself, he was the one that allowed me to keep going because I know that he did. And yeah, I think those two were probably the biggest influences. And then, you know, when my dad passed, I was 25 and playing at Paris at PSG, which is a world renowned club. And I don't know, at that moment, it kind of changed everything. And I lost, you know, I wasn't with my boyfriend anymore and I lost him. So two really big parts of my life kind of disappeared.
0: So tell me this. You're in Paris playing for PSG, yeah. who everyone who is a soccer fan understands PSG. They think Ibrahimovic, I mean, <laughs> and although he's gone to Manchester United now, this is the Mecca, you're in Champions League, you're at the highest level of competition in yeah. the world for men's and women's game. You've just lost your boyfriend who's helped you find faith and your faith has helped you get through those dark times. Then you go to lose your, your pops who is your best friend when it comes to the game and in sport. Do you remember where you were and what you felt when you got that message?
1: Yeah. I mean, for the record, my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend's still alive. He didn't just, I just, he broke up, uh, but yeah, yeah, lost as yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my father was lost. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I got the phone call. um out of nowhere, he had a heart attack. So it was a surprise and he was supposed to come over a week later to see me play against Leon, who, won Champions League this year you know and I remember I went home for five days and when I came back to Paris I knew he'd want me to finish the season you know it didn't seem real I had his number still on my phone my dad you know I could still hear his voice and so then oh sorry but even when I came home that June after my season um and I came to see oh that's the last place I saw my father was on the beach of Chicago and wow that's the last place we ate and see what it happened to my family you know he was always the one that showed up with beer or food he always had jokes kept us together a long time my family and um yeah there were some really dark times um, but again yeah. when i put put my football cleats on and and played i knew that he was with me
0: sure and you always told me about that whenever you stepped on the field you could feel him there with you and that was where you guys could channel each other's energy and that was always very exciting when you're in that dark place when you're in that moment of suffering and, and you're dealing with the loss as we, so many of us do, where do you start? Where do you begin to find your strength again? How did you do that?
1: You know, I, I lost my faith for a long time. I was so angry. You know, I felt like I, I had been through so much already. And I didn't understand, you know, but this was sure. like uh, taking someone from me. And even if I believed he was in a better place, it was still so hard because I couldn't even say goodbye. But now, you know, five years have passed and starting to get my faith back a little bit, but uh, I don't know. You just have to, there's a lot of hard workouts and I know that I'm still playing today because of him. You know, I I speak about football, but it's been my biggest and deepest love in my life. You know, my biggest heartbreak, uh, but also my greatest love. So now I, you know, I wear his number, I wear his name on my back and you know, he's, it's my chance to still be with my pop. And I think that's the only reason I can still get through it, or I guess try to.
0: Have you begun to realize what part of his legacy that he left is, is still resonating in you?
1: I think now the belief I have in myself and of kind of breaking down everything. I think I'm getting there, but then getting married, you know, a lot of people now don't know my life before. They don't know what I've been through. So. I think now my legacy is being able for them to see my father through me, his bad jokes and his humor and his good time. Um, Right. I think that's the best way I can deal with it. And thinking, you know, now I don't know if I talk to God or I talk to my dad. You know, (laughs) I I can't answer that question because when I'm in a bad place or need help, I just say, you know, dad, help me. Can you talk to me? Can you be there? Can you show me something?
0: How do you feel like you, get his message? How do you feel like his message resonates with you? Do you? you, Is there a way that you know? Is there a physical reaction that you may have? Or is it just guiding you in the right way that makes you feel less anxious?
1: Um, Well, it's funny when he passed the night he was missing for a day or two. And it was a Sunday night and I was walking over bridge and I look up in France. And my best friend was there Emily Zur, just randomly and I saw a shooting star. Well, So over for the first time. And then I go home, actually, and I open my Bible and I, there's second Corinthians chapter five, there's this verse and it's like, therefore walk by faith, not by sight. We are more happy when our son's at home with me in heaven than on earth, give or take, those are the the words. And then I got the phone call a couple hours later that he had passed or they had found him. And I have, you know, shooting stars on my rib, but I always look to the sky, sun rays, uh, shooting stars. If I see that, then I, I know he's just saying hi.
0: Wow, that's what an incredible story there. That seems to be the driver behind a lot of decisions that you make is that pain that you felt is now pushing you into a more beautiful place of self-realization and and you're talking a little bit about some of the things that you've been through and and how that anger has kind of pushed you to become great. You landed in Houston, right? So that greatness lands you in Houston. And you run into a really cool individual in Erin <laughs> McLeod. Erin McLeod, yes. for those of you who are listening, is the Canadian national team goalkeeper, and she's an Olympian. Tell me a little bit about Erin McLeod.
1: Um, well, if they don't know already, she's my wife. Um, we just got married, or a year ago, and yeah, I mean, Erin's been in four World Cups. She should have been in this Olympics. Tore her ACL the third time. You know, again, it, it's been, you know, I grew up in a, or I guess the 10 years of my life that really molded me were very religious, like I said, and then I like kind of lost what I knew. And, you know, I, you can say what you want about homosexuality in the Bible. And I say this because, you know, I'm married to women woman now, and I'm married to a woman who's actually probably the most spiritual. She, she reminds me a lot of the characteristics that you have, um, but she calls herself an atheist. And You know, if I would have asked myself 10 years ago, you're end up with a woman that's an atheist and that's a Canadian, you know, I would have said, you know, there's no chance. Um, But she is probably the most Christian person or the person that in my mind is most Jesus like or who I want to be or why I call myself a Christian, because her character and her morals, she pushes me to be a better human being. And I think that's why we clicked. And she is the most incredible person I've ever met on and off the pitch, so for me, I feel very lucky.
0: You didn't you said to me, you don't want it to be labeled as homo or heterosexuality. You don't want to be separated in that way. When was it that you realized that you had a real love for Aaron? and you obviously at, at some point having a 10-year relationship with a male at that time, yeah. what was it like dealing with that battle in your mind of thinking, okay, society is not really going to accept this, but I know what I feel for this individual. It's real
1: yeah i mean i think i took a lot of showers and i felt dirty and this was you know this happened in college even before because i would get these thoughts and i remember i would be so not depressed but in a again in a really dark place because i go you know i really loved my ex-boyfriend and i feel this way but you know it was a really it was bad relationship we didn't have the communication and he was a great man you know i i think one of my biggest regrets is that we didn't end when we were supposed to end we kept trying to hold on and some you know, we really hurt each other, and I still can't say anything bad about him now. But when I met Erin, we built this friendship, and she challenged me, and she, she lifted me up, and she gave me compliments, and she made me feel like I was alive. You know, I can't explain that, that I was somebody, and I've been looking for this and this fairy tale moment. And at first, she was scared. She was like, "Are you going to leave me because this is what you feel?" and you know, she would get mad at me. She's like, you, you think we come from a rib? That's how you think we come from? And we get in these discussions. Um, but she challenged me in a way that I've never been challenged. And she believed in me and saw something. And I don't know if I like women or men. I was in Copenhagen and I would, this was before we were together, and a man would walk through a door and a woman, I'd be like, who's more attractive to me? Who catches my eye? And I would tell you that nine out of 10 times a man would catch my eye. I mean, you and I have had this conversation You know, and but I fell in love with Erin, and for you know, almost four years, she has captivated me in a way that I can't explain, and in a way that has only wanted me to be a better person, better morals, more giving, more caring, more loving, more understanding. And that's why I thought love and the Bible taught me about what love is when I really was only focused on my faith.
0: What has she taught you or brought out of you that you didn't even realize you had?
1: you know, to be honest, a, a no drama lifestyle. Oh wow. I think in a way I was really addicted to being in these big fights because I that emotion makes sense to me. I it made sense watching my parents almost hit each other and have these up and down big movements, you know. And I just I'm calm. I don't have that rage or maybe on a football pitch when I'm running, I can bring it out of me to get a little bit farther, you know? But a real calm and understanding and a respect for myself to be who I always wanted to be.
0: What are some of those habits that were associated with that anger and that drama that you'll never go back to having?
1: Um, I mean, the jealousy part, you know, we've talked about that. And creating these stories in my head, pushing her away when there was really no, it was my own insecurities of feeling loved and taken care of. I mean, I think reading, like, for example, the five love languages and seeing how she thinks and how I think, it's been a very humbling process to say, I I need you to really love me. I, I need you to tell me what i bring to your life and reassure me and i've never been able to drop my walls and really go and be one with someone you know really be not codependent but have somebody that i come home and i can tell her anything and she will just love me for who i am wow. and i don't know if i've ever had that actually i know i haven't
0: <laughs> you know that's huge because i man for the longest time as a pro athlete you go and you make your bed and you chase this dream and then at night, sometimes you have to go and you have to lay in that bed. And a lot of times it's for me, it's been alone, right? You build this Absolutely. goal and this dream in your, in your mind and and there's carnage a, a along the road. You breaks For me, I broke some hearts and I, I was selfish and I put all of what I wanted first in order to achieve what I thought was going to be this greatness, this idea of greatness. And then when I got it, it wasn't what I thought it was yeah. going to be it wasn't exactly what Absolutely. i thought it was. it wasn't making the money that i thought i was going to make, it wasn't living the type of lifestyle that i thought i was going to live and it was a lie. it was a lie that i told myself the entire time, right? and i'm pulling myself out of the habits that i created for 10, 11, 12 years of my life because i thought that was the life i needed to live to be the pro, right? so it's it's great to hear that your ego and your walls that you had built around yourself are crumbling on behalf of your better half and Aaron.
1: Yeah, I just also oh, that, but I also think it's, you know, some of our. I don't think people like you. You spoke about your tough times in Vancouver, but I think you and I met at a very pivotal time. Uh, because I think without you, I never would have challenged I and mean, think about the conversations we had of Ella. You're you want you're addicted to this drama, Ella. Why are you doing that? You know, and
0: so that's a that's a great segue, Ella. So we're I'm in Vancouver. Listeners, yes. uh, you've heard my story and I'm just going through this ACL slash micro fracture rehabilitation phase. And I'm in the dark spot. Talk about the bridge where I thought many times that I could take the easy way out. And all of a sudden this angelic figure and <laughs> Ella Master comes walking up. And I can remember the first thing that I thought when I saw Ella, she's got She's got a pure soccer player physique, right? So she's, she was wearing some jeans How or are we something, here. And, and I was thinking, "Oh man, all right, who's this?" And um, and she comes walking up and and, and ended up here. And I had heard about this American who was coming up to coach. At West Vancouver Soccer Club, the, the club that I was coaching to keep myself above water. And when an American is in Canada and hears that another American is coming to Canada, absolutely, instantly it's like, okay, where is she? Where is she? Where is she at? <laughs> so I'll never forget dapping Ella up. And from there, it was an instant connection because we were speaking the same language. Go ahead.
1: And I think when you found out it was with Aaron, there was no... Like we could just be siblings. So I mean, let's well, put it out no, there. I was going to get to that <laughs> spot.
0: Um, yeah. The the reason I love Ella so much is because Ella taught me that I could be a really good friend with a female and, ha- and not have any sort of sexual tension between the female. That was the first time in my life where I had had a real friendship, a real wow. uh, symbiotic friendship with an individual of the other half or the other sex and it was huge for me. So Ella, for me, you really showed me what like unconditional love was on a friend basis, right? We would wake up every morning, we would meet at the the turf fields, right? And and I was living in downtown Vancouver and I had to ride my bike every day. And you, Mm -hmm. you know, you were living just up the street and our times were just a little bit different, right? What did you think about the guy you had just met and did you feel like he was as dark as you're now realizing that he was
1: you want me to be as honest as possible
0: i want you to tell because i've never heard this story
1: well when i met you you know you see an attractive guy and i mean i obviously was with aaron but i was like okay what's this guy's story and then when we first sat down i'm like this guy is a douchebag He's created this story that he messed up and that it wasn't his fault. I mean, he wouldn't take ownership. But then there's something about you and we kept training. And obviously that was, I mean, I, I think me playing, you taught me how to shoot a ball as a forward at 28. I wouldn't be able to score goals, I don't think, as well as I do or placement with the amount of hours you and I put in on that field.
0: By the way, um, listeners, when I watched her kick a soccer ball, I felt like <laughs> no one had taught this, this professional how to kick a ball. I'm thinking, how does this happen? What a tragedy. And I had tragedy. a U.S.
1: cap at that point. You
0: yeah, know? Two, two years off to, uh, or two or three years after a, a U.S. Yeah. national team cap. Anyways, we spent hours and hours on that field, <laughs> redefining your shot. Anyways, go ahead. And
1: then I once we actually talked and you let that wall down a bit, I realized, this man is a very broken but humble and kind and caring and loving. And you just got so caught up in who you thought you should be that you lost who you wanted to be. Mm. And I mean, that's been our conversations the last three years is us breaking down. Okay, I had this, I'm taking ownership. You know, I know what I was and I know what I got into and I messed up, but that doesn't define who I am.
0: I can remember um, we used to meet at Cafe Artigiano in the village, all of every day, every morning, we get our Americano and we'd sit and we talk and we talk about life and we talk about betterment and growth. And you always told me about the way that I viewed women was skewed and the way that I had approached women was skewed and you forced me to take a look at myself and my habits and so on and so forth. And what made you interested in that process and helping me with that process uh, because obviously I, I had to hold myself accountable. What made you interested in doing that? And what did you learn by helping me? What did that symbiotic relationship teach you?
1: I mean, I think for me too, to have a good man in my life and see a kind man. I mean, I, I think I always trust my gut and that's what I saw. So even if your appearance was this <laughs> douchebag guy I trusted <laughs> my, my gut, you know, like I wouldn't, and you had so many good qualities. And for me, I think you know, my father, you know, my brother's a really good man. I think my father now I forgave him. I understand how hard it was for him. But to have a really good man and I have this ideas about, oh, especially a male athlete, you know, I've been around and seen some of the best in the world to have this idea about how they are. For me, it was just you proved and you drove and you believed in me to be a better human being. I think I just saw the same in you. You know, I would say this, my dad brought you into my life to show me how good of men can be and how kind and caring and loving. And yeah, I think you, I was just drawn to you in that way.
0: So I've never told anyone this and I probably, probably will be remiss in saying, I probably should have said it earlier, but um, I didn't jump from that bridge that day because I was supposed to see you.
1: Yeah.
0: And I didn't want to let you down. And, you know, I, I heard my mom's voice. Don't do it, but, But I was on my way to go see you. And, you know, I think that you were put in my life and I was put in your life to help each other through that very tough time because I don't, I'm not so sure that had you and I not invested in each other, that we'd be having this conversation today. So I need you to know that I I appreciate the love that you gave me, the unconditional support that you gave me, and the, the way you held me accountable to not be able to regress from the progress that I was making from our friendship. So I've been able to tell you that because I really didn't want you to get so down on me and knowing that I was at that low point. But I need to thank you for that friendship and that love that you gave me at that important time in my life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love you. I think we went through, I mean, now I think we have this bond that can't be broken. I just hope you continue to see and believe in the man that you are.
0: Well, listen to this. Now you're at FC Rosengarten. How many goal, <laughs> How many bags of goals have you scored since we started training? I'm not going to say it's about me because I didn't do the work. I just showed you exactly what it was you were doing wrong and maybe what could make it a little bit better, but it was up to you to do the work, right? Yes. So, and that is was, the most frustrating <laughs> thing in the world, having to realize that I'm not good at this, but I need to get better at this if I'm ever going to be able to pursue my dreams. So tell me what you learned since that moment where – I taught you how to kick a soccer ball at 28 years old and you know, <laughs> where you are now scoring bags of goals for a, for a champions league team.
1: So, you know, I was tw- it's always humbling to learn to shoot a soccer ball after eight years pro. I mean, that was such a, I wish I would have met you when I was 2021, 20, you know, and right. I, I remember there are so many times I left in tears because I was so frustrated, you know, and yeah, but now I've scored 13 goals or 10 goals in 13 games and four assists. Mm. And, you know, we have players like Marta on our team, who's the only one, like, if you want to think of football, Messi has won the Ballon d'Or, the best player in the world five times. Marta has done that for women. Wow. And when you're scoring more goals than Marta, or I think we're even, you know, it kind of puts things in real perspective.
0: So. Would you learn about yourself in that time where you're having to do rep after rep after rep and see yourself fail over and over and over again to now see the fruits of your labor? What is it? That was 2013, 2014, two years later. Two years later, it's now coming.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, there was some really hopeless. I was like, why the heck am I doing this? It's time to walk away, you know, but it feels good. I mean, there's no regrets. You kind of look back in your life and you see these, I mean, I made so many mistakes in my life. I mean, I've hurt some people that I, I hope they know how how sorry I am for that. And some really tough moments. But now you look and you go, you hope that you really believe that the good outweighs the bad, and it allows you to move on and understand what you've done and can take the positives of that because you can't change it and be in a better place, not only on the pitch or not. And through football, I've got to travel the world. I mean. So many of my friends have stayed at home or gone to Chicago and not saying that's wrong, but for me, I've really got to see the world and for what, how beautiful it can be. And that's something that I will never take for granted.
0: I love that. I, uh, you and I have been working on doing a gratitude list together and do that, doing that daily and making that a, a habitual practice. Tell me one thing you do every day that makes you better.
1: I walk off that pitch, no, I, I gave it everything. Um, I think, you know, with Aaron getting hurt, obviously, and watching her go through this process of, of missing the Olympics and, you know, seeing you so motivated and in this new avenue, you know, we only had get to do this for such a short time. Right. Um, so for me, it's, it's leaving everything on the pitch and then, you know, simply waking up every day and, and looking at Aaron and saying, thank you.
0: Wow. Wow, that's big time. You are constantly in pursuit of greatness and your pursuit to continue to evolve as a human being. And we all have a vision and we need a vision. If you don't have one, you need to align yourself with where you want to go. Life has created space for you. Your dad moving on has created a space for you. Your footballing career has created spaces for you to go and experience and grow as a human being. What direction are you headed now? And how's life going to create space for you moving forward?
1: You know, that's a thing you just don't know. I think when I lost my dad suddenly it really allowed you to live day by day. And I think the anxiety or the doubt is when I look to the tomorrow. You know, I know that I, I have no regrets of my days. Now I you know, I work hard, I keep my head down, I do the extra things and I and I take the time to really not run from me. I don't know I have a long way to go. But if I can continue to be kind and compassionate to the people around me, and even more so be kind and compassionate to myself, and um, it actually makes me excited about what's next compared to the worry.
0: Mm, that's powerful. That's so powerful. My last question I'll give you Ella. You've had so much greatness that has happened to you you've done so many great things you are scoring so many goals at this moment you're at the you're at the prime of your career and you know you are how does life improve and what would you tell to any individual who is looking to do something similar what would you tell them about a managing their own expectations and b managing the anxiety that comes along with your own expectations
1: you know i think like i said football has been my greatest heartbreak. And I think you have to know that you've been giving this dream, no matter what it is. And you go through these different avenues. But if you have this dream, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. I mean, I, I think that's, you. there'll be times where you think there's not a possible way for you to take another step. And then if it's really your dream, you will always, always find a way. And the next one, I mean, I, I think it's just be kind to yourself. You know, you, you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, It's okay. You might make a mistake. You might really hurt somebody. You might be hurt, but you have to understand it. Sometimes people don't take that time to know themselves. So they don't even know how to treat anyone else. So be kind, compassionate, and just love yourself. Know that you are, you know, I don't want to get back to the faith thing so much, but you're wonderfully made. Whether you believe in God or not, you are unique and you're unique for who you are for a reason. And let that give you power.
0: Wow, wow, what a way to to round out this uh, incredible moment that I've been able to spend with you to to just drop in and go some areas that I've never even pushed before and allow the listenership to be able to hear just how great you are. I love, I love you, kid. I'm so proud of you. you. <laughs> I'm so excited that you finally got some time to get on the show. you know you you got a big schedule and it's hard to to reel you in, but um, I would love to be able to. At some point, get out to Malmo and and watch you score a couple goals and hopefully uh, jump over the banister and celebrate (laughs) with you at the the corner flag. How about that? How's that sound?
1: Yeah, as long as I beat you on the bike ride to the beach, that you have a deal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey, listeners, I'd love for you to be able to engage with Ella. As you listen to her story, you can obviously tell that she's a very passionate, very driven, uh, very beautiful girl. Where can they find you in all your social media outlets, Ella?
1: Twitter, I think, emaster three. I think the same for Instagram, um, but I mean I'm connected to you, so if you look at you, I, you know somehow I'll come up and, and vice versa. And, you know, email. I have a blog, ella.master.net. I think so. Open to questions, and if they get a hold of you, I'm sure they can get a hold of me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you go about a year and a half back, you can see picture after picture <laughs> of Ella and I in that time when we were going through that dark spot, or well, at least I was going through that dark spot in Vancouver. And, and for the listeners, if you love these types of of podcasts we're coming with more and more of those i'd love to be able to get aaron mcleod ella's wife on the show be able to talk a little bit about her journey compare and contrast that with ella's and just be able to do more you can find all of this on creating space with west night you can find that on itunes we're now on google play stitcher as well as soundcloud we are expanding guys and i'm so excited to be able to bring ella master to you ella love you and have a great rest of your day huh too. Love you too. Okay. Bye. What an incredibly inspiring story, and Ella continues to amaze me with the way she redefines herself through her struggles and comes back bigger, better, stronger, and faster for her journey in life. We've got a huge announcement next week uh, with Creating Space as we continue to grow, as we continue to. Uh, impact and influence more individuals, and I cannot wait to announce this special, special moment and our Creating Space team's lives. So I hope you've enjoyed this show. We have enjoyed bringing this to you, and we're coming back to you with many, many more opportunities to help you grow and create space for the best versions of yourselves.